especially to the visitors, feel free. And I like when I preach, if, you, if something happens, please don't wait until the sermon is over. If something needs to happen, let it happen. So yesterday, where's my presentation? That's what means it. Hello? I still don't get something. But yesterday we had a men's conference. Very successful one. Very, very successful. And very deep. There were some men that spoke of things that I would never in my entire life have the liberty to say to someone. But, let's show you one thing. If you can't talk to the people in the church, if you can't talk to the brethren in the church, that they can pray for you about things, who are you going to talk to the world? I would rather have the brethren in the church to talk to than have to talk to the world. Now, this is what we covered yesterday, a whole lot of topics, I'm not going to go into them, but what I can tell you is there was value, value in each one of these things that we spoke. You can see we've covered from the wife right down to man and his child, business, work, spirit and his money. This one was a very contentious one. We're still trying to find out who's the Minister of Finance in that one. But it was blessed. It was blessed to the point that if we could have it longer, it was probably would have been longer. But let me just ask you one question that the opening speaker said or made. If you men were the ones that started the courtship with the woman that turns into the, who turned into your wife, why did you, where did you go wrong? And why did you go wrong? <coughs> because no one, no one can romance your wife like you do, unless you are my wife. I told you a story yesterday, by the way. I told them about you. They all know about you now. <laughs> they all know about you. Yeah. So you're out there. And then more importantly, we had some delicious, 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 delicious food yesterday. It's delicious. Yes. You saw it there. The meat was there. You didn't see the side things then. That was delicious. Although some people hate me for putting chakalaka in my roll. I opened the roll and I put the chakalaka inside and then I eat it like that. People looked at me like, you're not supposed to do it that way. I'm from Cape Town. We eat everything differently. <laughs> so it was very nice. To all the women who contributed directly by being here or indirectly by being, by supporting, we thank you. Amen. I thank you from the bottom of my heart on behalf of all the men. Now, I don't, I hope you don't expect the men to do the same for you. We want you to go to come to church the next day and come to go to work on Monday. We can't get doctor's notes. I stomach bug at men's food on Saturday. <laughs> so you will, you will pardon us? Not. Okay guys, uh, we're up for a joke. I'll leave it with you. We'll have to cook. We'll just pry on it. Yeah. We'll pry on <laughs> We'll see when we get there. I want to take my sermon and I want to run it in line with what we discussed yesterday. Yesterday I had the slide on here, the men will know what it means, the woman will not. It says, let's take a moment of silence and let's respect the legend amongst us. You know those le that legend? You know him? There he is. There he is. Was Mrs. Discipline. That was Mrs. Discipline to me. Nowadays you can't take it out anymore. No, you can't. And I want to ask the mothers a question quickly. Which way do you experience discipline better? By feeling it or by hearing it? Just give me an answer. Feeling it or hearing it? Oh, okay, there's a hearing. Feeling. Okay, who of you went to school, all of you? 
<laughs> you know which season I hated most in school? Why did you hate winter? What did you feel? And what else? If you didn't do homework, the girls would look like this. It's the only time when I can act it out. <laughs> I saw them, they did it like this. And the guys did it like this. <laughs> now you know that, you know that. That's what happened. But what did that do to you? It taught you you did something wrong and you were being disciplined for it. Did you do it again? No. That's all I wanted to hear. This is why this is the legend. Telling a child to go stand in the corner and to go feel what it feels like to be disciplined is not going to mean anything. So today we're going to look at, and this will be my key scripture for today, we're going to look at what is the role of the man in the family. So 1 Timothy 3 verse 5 says, For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? And it's very important. Because if you can't discipline your family, your wife, your kids, and if you can't be disciplined, how are you going to be able to discipline the church of God? Anyone apart from the men want to give a go with that question? Who is accountable for the family? The man. Okay. Daddy is accountable for the family. Not mommy. And not grandma and not grandpa. The man is accountable for the family. And you see, this is where everything goes wrong or everything goes right. He was created first. He was tasked to rule over the earth. He was tasked to give names to all. And then he got a helper. Mommy and woman, you are helpers. You are not the main one accountable to God. You are helpers. Please, let's not be politically incorrect or things like that. We're not talking politics today. We're talking what God says. I hold you as man accountable. Even the mother holds the husband or the father accountable. But you know what else? Even the father himself needs to hold him accountable. There's so many fathers who are not accountable for the raising of their kids. If the kid is in the house or the child is in the house, they're not accountable for it because they don't play a part in it because the child will very quickly tell you, who are you? Why are you telling me? You don't experience what I experience. Why are you come telling me things like this? This father over here is the holder of discipline in the family. Um, I told you guys yesterday, please don't start a conversation about the kids have got rights nowadays. My child has got no rights. He's got one right only, and that's the right to be my child. That's the only right he has. You can ask him, the only one. If he comes with, I got constitutional rights, I can. I say, you know where the constitution starts? Go to the uh, pavement, just outside my gate, the pavement. Go stand there. That's where the constitution starts. You come into my house, the constitution is dead. I sometimes feel so sorry for Caden. Because when that's him over here, this is Caden. This is my son. My other son, Clinton, he said, oh, he can't be here because he's disabled. But, but that one, I feel sometimes feel so sorry for him. Because I'm a difficult person. Now I'm very difficult. I don't look like it, but I am. 
And when I start disciplining him, because I can't hit him with a belt or something that he can feel it, I use words and I use not rude words but strong words. And then it's up to his mom to taper him down or to temper him down or to make him feel a bit more understanding. And then she'll come to me and say you were a bit too harsh or a bit too hard on him. Yes, my yes my problem. That is a man. It's not a woman. If I start raising him like a woman and shield him from what real life will be all about, he's going to do the same in the next generation. And the next generation after that is going to do the same. What we're going to end up with? A spineless generation. And I don't want that. I would rather him go to his room and, and I don't know what you did. That's fine. It can touch mommy's heart. It's not going to touch my heart. I've got a responsibility to raise a man that will be the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. Man is the leader. And yesterday we used nice words about the man. The man is the one that thinks. The man is the one that makes the plans. The, the man is the one that charge where this family is going. And the woman is the... Help her. But I want to tell you this. Above all these things, women care very little about the top two. They care about the bottom one, the provider. That's what women care about. Can you provide for me and my family? Do you love me? And I wish I could take an entire day to speak about this one. Do you love me? Because this one over here is the most important one. All that your woman expect from you, husband, is that you go to work and that you honor her wherever you go. And it's especially difficult for a man. You come to work, you see a 22-year-old walking in the office, she's wearing a mini, She's got legs that ends until there. You know what they look like at the office? And I'm not the most beautiful one at the office, but they come talk to me. And they talk to me and, why don't you go talk to that guy over there? He's beautiful. No, I want to talk to you. I feel comfortable with you. And sooner or later, the comfortableness turns into something else. Your woman doesn't mind that you talk to other girls. She doesn't. Is there anything attached to that conversation is what your woman is worried about. So if I go out in the morning, my wife needs to know she can trust me no matter what. That if another woman comes to me, I will love her enough to say, Madam, not the case. And let me give you a quick example. We have a, we had a 27-year-old 27 or 29, Karuna? 27, 29 year old Indian consultant from Deloitte that came to work at our office. She said next to me, Men, she is a beautiful woman. I showed my wife the photos. <laughs> no, 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 make, make no mistake. There's nothing that she doesn't know. <laughs> I would rather show her than not. Let me give you a bit of history. When we were engaged, right, if I wanted to buy something, I asked her if I can buy it. If I had to give a guy a lift from office to home in the afternoons, a guy is okay, that's fine. If a girl asked me, I would first ask her. That's what I did. You know why I did it? These little things, right? And this little people sitting here in front, they know her, okay? I don't know that they know her, but they know me because they know her. So one day, I'm driving, and I've got this girl driving with me, and they're like, why do you stop at McDonald's with that girl? And who is that girl, by the way? Louise, did you see? Thomas was driving with the girl in the cool. And what happens? Thomas will have to explain until the, the earth goes black and blue and all the colors. Will she understand? 
That's why I always used to ask her, can I give this one a lift? So when anyone comes, she can say, he told me so. Fine, no problem. You know why I did it? I did it because I trusted her belief in me and I needed to respect her as my wife. Amen. We're not going to talk about the others. I think love is the most important one. If you can provide your woman with a degree of love where she is comfortable that you are, you can go out even to the most beautiful place where the most beautiful women are and they will not distract you. If we can get to that point, the world will be a better place. I guarantee you. And it's not that women are unsure about you. It's just that they need to know that they can trust you. And the question is, how many of our men have really given a woman that confidence? All that the wife, all that the husband asks in all of this is that we respect him. There is some places or some houses where husbands are not really respected. And I'll give you one. Show me a house where the wife is the CEO and the husband doesn't have a job where the husband has a say in the household. So me a house where the husband is a lower job qualification than the wife, that the husband are being respected. There are those, they the exception. In most cases, as soon as the husband gets one level above the wife, after the wife gets one level above the husband, she becomes the husband, not him. I couldn't care what position this man holds. I couldn't care how much money he makes. I couldn't care how well known or famous he is. If this person over here is your husband, he is your husband regardless of anything. He is your husband and you will respect him. Not must respect him, you will respect him. So madam, woman in the house, your husband is the head of the household. Respect him no matter what he's standing. My father, let me rather say, I'm a product of an alcoholic father and a mother that was not. I'm the product of that. My father passed away. He used to drink like no one could drink. I don't know. You guys know that five liter bottle of wine that you could take and flip over your shoulder and then you drink it like this? In, in Cape Town it's very famous. Hey? Something like it. Something, yeah, you take it and you flip it. Because my father had a technique. I've always admired him for that. He had a technique. He used to, he used to take it, then it's like this. You will break your finger, man. No, he knows how to do it. And he could flip that thing. And then if he turns it like this, he put it here. He can empty the five liter. He emptied it. That's it. Without spilling anything. That's how much he drank. <laughs> so that's where I come from. But you know the one thing that my father taught me? Respect your woman. He never raised his hand for my mom. Never, ever. In fact, one day he was drunk. And he saw a husband and a wife fighting. The guy was drunk. He went there, he slapped the guy with his left hand, no, his right hand. He slapped him with his left hand, two teeth gone. <laughs> and, 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 and all he said is, for some reason he knew this guy because he was one of his drinking buddies. He told this guy, I drink with you. Have you ever seen me hitting my wife? I don't mind you drinking, but when you raise your hand for a woman, I will kill you. Yes, my wife, on our wedding day, he told her, if this guy ever raises your hand, his hand towards you, let me know. I will come to Pretoria and I'll sort him out. Yeah, he told her that. He believed in it. He, he, he almost killed the person apart from that for doing that. What did I learn from it? Respect your woman, your frustrations, you take them out somewhere else. So God wants the woman in the household. This thing sounds very funny. Can you hear me? This thing makes me sound like I'm in a tunnel somewhere. 
God made the woman a helper. And I'm sorry ladies for calling you a helper. But I think if you can understand your role within the church and your role within your marriage, it will go a lot better to developing your respect for your husband in what he is supposed to do. You were there to help him. You were created to supplement him, not to override him or not to sit on top of his head and be, you must do this, you must do that. You must. That is, was not your role. Your role was supposed to ask the husband, what is there that I can do to make our lives better? How can I help you to serve so that we as a family can serve God better? How can I help you so our finances, we can manage them better? How can I help you so that we can raise our child better? Not to create separation between the child and the father, which a lot of, of, of mothers do nowadays. I don't know why. But the woman over here is a helper. She's got two functions only. Raise the kids and maintain the family. Just those two. And you know what the sad part of it is? Even those, those are the only responsibilities he's got. She needs the husband who is the initiator or the thinker or the head or the leader. She needs this husband over here to provide her with this set of supportive tools that she can do what she needs to do. A woman cannot be a father. A wife cannot be a father. Only a man can be a father. A wife expects the husband to be accountable in terms of what it is that he needs to bring to the family. A wife wants the husband to be honorable. If he goes out in the morning, she knows he's a man of honor, he's a man of trust, he can go wherever. You know what? If, if wives had more trust in this honorable, then you would not need to tell your wife, I'm going out with my buddies, and she would tell you you'd be back by 7 o'clock that evening. But we're only starting at 6 o'clock. If you had honor, your wife would let you go wherever you want to go, whenever you want to go, with whoever you want to go. But it's because there is no honor amongst men. That is why there's so many problems in the world. Your wife expects that you would serve sacrificially. Now, that word to me means the following. Even though the wife is the helper, it doesn't mean she becomes, she will be abused in us getting where we need to be. If your wife is your helper, she expects you to respect her and to, like she's serving you, you need to serve her in return. Because if it's only a one-way street, what is going to happen? I'm only doing it because I have to this way. There's nothing coming this way. Can I tell them about the flowers quickly? I told them <laughs> Can I tell them about the flowers? Okay. I need to ask. Uh, I'm not ashamed to ask at the office. Can I buy a thing for 250 rand? My buddies are, are you crazy for 250 rand? I thought it was 5,000 rand. I say, dude, the small things in life is as important as the big things in life. So I bought my wife flowers. Ladies like flowers, eh? Women love flowers. Women love roses. Fantastic. I bought my wife roses every Tuesday for eight months. Every Tuesday of every week for eight months I bought her roses. A bunch of roses. I initially started buying 150 rands worth of roses, but because I came there so often, the guy gave me like 250 rands worth of roses for 150 rand. I was like a regular customer. That is how good I was for business. <laughs> and I bought it. And family and friends came over, they saw the roses, they like, like you women are. Oh, you are so lucky and fortunate to get flowers. And then she says, yeah, I get them every week, every Tuesday I get them. They're like, seriously, I wish my husband would only give me one rose. She gets like 25 to 30 of them every, the ones are not even dead yet, then the new ones comes in. For eight months I bought it. On the very end of the month, on the eighth month, you know what my wife asked me? Why didn't you give me the money that I could have bought it? <laughs> Why didn't you give me the money that I could have bought myself shoes? 
what you were taught then. Ah, and who are the kids in the relationship? It says the children are a gift from God only to a certain point. <laughs> when they're born, they're very cute. They're extremely cute and very nice and you love them and all the rest of them. When they start disturbing your sleep, like when Caden, when he was born, I can say this, guess who got up in the middle of the night to go feed him? Most of the times. <laughs> no, me. I had to get up. She didn't even do this to me. I just knew that for some reason it was nothing. I just got up and went to go feed him. That's it. I looked after him most of his life. He didn't even know it. Now he doesn't want to know me. <laughs> <laughs> but, so they are gift from God. But they ask some things of us as fathers more than they ask of mothers. <coughs> kids ask that you guide them and that you teach them. And you know what kids also ask of fathers? Discipline me. He's not going to come to me and ask me to discipline him. That will be stupid. I must agree it will be just stupid. I'm not going to ask discipline me and say, okay, now give me a hiding. I'm not going <clears> to, <throat> I'm not going to offer, but I'm asking. But you know what? He's never said it. He's never spoken it. But we as parents, because they don't ask for it, and they've got <coughs> rights, and they've got uh, laws that protect them, we will not discipline them anymore. We will let them go astray, and so be it. I was telling a man yesterday, um, who of you have got an iPhone 6 here? Or an iPhone phone, just in general? Who of you would like an iPhone? For the value of an iPhone, it's about 13,000 rand. Who of you would want one? No one. Oh, you're a very nice church. I know Ramulo, you wouldn't want one. I know a six-year-old has got the latest iPhone. Yeah, doesn't even know how the thing works. He's <laughs> got an iPhone. Because you know why? The next door neighbor's kids has got an iPhone. So Jones's next door cannot afford not to give their child an iPhone because they're in the same kindergarten. So when they're there and they talk, it's like, I'm gonna call my daddy on my iPhone. You can't say I'm gonna call my daddy on my Samsung. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't ring well. We have led our kids to the point of instant gratification. He believes, and I told him I'm gonna use him a lot today. He believes when he's done studying, he will buy a house of at least three million rand. He'll buy him a BMW. His wife is going to drive a Mercedes. I'm not talking used cars, man. I'm not talking used cars. New. New. Brand new. His kids are going to go to a private school. And he's going to make all of that money straight out of varsity. That one is sitting over there. I told him, my son, it's nice of you to have those aspirations. You're not going to get it. You're not going to get it. But there are some parents that are quite willing to allow the kids to think that way and they will entertain their thoughts and when the kid ultimately gets there, they don't get it and then they commit suicide because I cannot get to the life that I wanted. Stop lying to your children. Be frank and open and honest with them as part of disciplining them. We don't do that. We are too afraid to do these things to our kids so that they can grow up to support us. You know how a child supports you? If your child does the things that you want them to do and require them to do, they make life easier for you. They make life easier for the wife and the family in general will be a much easier place to be in. We've got a DSTV package, it's a compact package, the very lowest one. We went through a bit of a financial difficulty and we decide we're going to cut this DSTV because it doesn't mean anything. We're just going to keep certain ones. Which is the cheapest package? Take that one. We've got it. Now things are going better. So now we can go back to the, what they call it? Premium. The premium package. So I offered him uh, an alternative. I said, we can take the difference between what we're paying now and what we will pay. We can take that difference and I can give it to you or I can activate the DSTV. I was not even finished yet, he said, give it to me. <laughs> and for this I need to give the young man credit. 
When he initially got pocket money, he spent money like it was nothing. But it was my fault. I never educated him in financial management. So he blew the money like it, it was coming from nowhere. Go out like every week and just blow the money. And then I sat down with him and we had a chat. So when I said, you can have the DSTV difference money, he said, put it into my investment account. So the man has got an investment account and his normal savings account. That's what the man has nowadays. And as a father, I, I battled with him for a very long time. You can ask him. I battled with him. But as I'm standing here, I'm extremely impressed with him for taking that. He's got an investment account that most youngsters his age will never see. But that was taking time, disciplining him, talking to him, engaging him, and sharing with him what is the things that you have to do for the day of tomorrow. When we got married, I got married when we were 29 years old. When my buddies was going out and enjoying myself, I was putting money away for the day that I will get my wife. Want to go pay la bola? Yes, I can't go so pay la bola. <laughs> So when we moved into the house that we both choose, chose, the house was furnished without any debt in it. That is what my savings and her savings did. We didn't have, here's another thing, if you don't have a very elaborate wedding, ne, ne, you can actually get me better off in the long run. Friends of ours in Cape Town had a wedding where it was like, I don't know how many, hundred grand per person. They're not close to where we are right now. The wedding was beautiful, like, no, given, their wedding was like, we were like on this side, they were like on that side. But today, we are on that side, they like on that side. Whatever you do in life, think about the long-term effect. Begin with the end in mind. Do that. The same goes for your family. Begin with the end in mind. If you have an argument and a dis disagreement with your wife, be careful what you will say because the end of the words that you say is going to be more harmful than you just keeping quiet. That's why she knows. I don't say, when she's upset, I leave her. I will ask her something wrong. She said something's wrong. Sometimes she doesn't even say something is wrong. And I know something is wrong. I just need to find out is it me or someone else. <laughs> That's what I need to find out. Most of the cases, it's me. But that's also okay. It comes with time that you realize these things. <laughs> it works that way. But I, but I love it too, Pitsy. This is my beautiful wife. So, if you can learn to work with the end in mind, your life will be much more easier. Sometimes you need to close your mouth, not say a thing, and just listen to what they're saying. Sometimes they just need to bounce emotions of you that's got nothing to do with you. And if you're not very open to that, you will think it's an argument against you and you want to defend yourself. Horribly wrong. That's why she knows I just listen. I never respond really. Your aim with your children is to create confident people. And I want to talk two minutes about this. You are supposed to be a parent, not a friend. And although at sometimes you can be a friend as well. But you are not a friend by default. Friends of his came over. They like, and once they've been there, they're like, Yo, Kaden, your parents are so cool. I wish you, my parents were like your parents. Come stay with me and you'll find out a different story. <laughs> Come stay with me. And I was telling the guys yesterday, um, when he was six years old, we went to Cape Town with one of his white friends. He had a white friend, a colored Indian. Up here, we first, for the first time in our life, we had like a multicultural friendship over here. And one day came in and they were all sitting around the table. I was like, where's my phone? I need to take a photo of this. <laughs> That's an Indian colored white uh, African. What was it, your buddies? In kindergarten? Chinese. Yeah. And Chinese. Yeah, they were all there. I was the most beautiful thing. <laughs> so the white one goes to, with us to Cape Town. Now we had an African nanny. Okay? Now you must picture this. That's him colored, the white dude with the African nanny we go to Cape Town. We go to Musenberg, okay? Musenberg is predominantly in the southern suburbs of Cape Town, predominantly white. Colors only came in there recently. It's a white thing. So this white, this white, I'm not being racist when I use the terminology, please, for someone that, just for illustration purposes. 
In fact, they were playing one day, and the African boy, uh, the white son came in, AJ. What was the African boy's name again? The one that said, oh. But anyway, they were playing, and I'm going to think of a name. I said, like, AJ, run this mom. Mom, 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 mom. His mom says, Chepo's father is black. Chepo's playing with you the whole time. He's also black. He doesn't see that. He saw Chepo's father was black. I'm like, this is how kids experience life. So we went to Cape Town. AJ, he does something, and Tiny gives him a hiding. I wish I was rather me than Tiny. That's on a white beat, the Tiny gives this white child, the Tiny is an African woman, she gives him a hiding. You know, I mean, you've, do you know the white people get upset, they turn red? <laughs> that woman, the people there, this one woman turned red of anger and frustration. She only cooled down when AJ came to me and he said Tiny hit him and I said, why did Tiny hit you? Da, 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 da. Go to Tiny and go apologize. He went to her and he gave her a hug. Only then did they realize that's okay. But that is how our life has become. In society, what is, what is Ubuntu again? What's Ubuntu? Humility. Hey? Humility. Yeah, and something about this, it's a, it's a notion of sharing or caring and something like that? That's what they generally sell Ubuntu as? We look after each other? I don't want to start a conversation, I just want to ask something. Is Ubuntu a lifestyle? Is it a lifestyle? Is it a lifestyle? Ever asked why it's not a life anymore? Children wants parents to trust them. <coughs> now it's very difficult to trust your child if you've not raised your child in the right way and you know that you can trust your child. This is a very, very deep thing. In order to trust your child, you need to raise your child right. In order for you to raise your child right, you need to respect the helper that God has given you. And that helper needs to respect you as the head of the household, and the head of the wife, and the head of the family. If all these things fall in place, everyone will be a lot more happier. This is where we left our children. We've left our children in the presence and the, under the care of Facebook, Twitter, what other things are there? Instagram. Instagram, WhatsApp, and all those things. That's where we left our children. Who, who are the people that um, educate your kids? People you don't even know. You want to ask me how I know? Because see how many girls disappear because they've met someone online. And what they do nowadays, they take Caden's photo, they put it on my profile. I take his photo, put it on my profile. We meet each other somewhere for a drink and you disappear. That's how they do it. Because we have grown so accustomed to instant things. I've got instant friends. I've got 2.5 million followers, so that's how many friends I have. You've got no friends. You've got zero friends. If your friend can't come here and I can meet him, it's not, it's not a, a, a real person. We've entrusted our kids to the environment. And this environment is toxic. This environment will kill our kids. But you know what, who I blame for that? <clears throat> the fathers. I blame the fathers for that. Not the mothers, not the children, the fathers. So how do we get there? This is in conclusion, how do we get there? Tell the next generation what is the right things to do. Don't hide anything from them, but make known to them this over here. Make this known to them. Let them get to know about the God of the Bible. Let them understand it. Let them understand the requirements that God has for them as children, for the wife to help you to make the family a happy place. And when you have told them, train them. Because you see, the bank if, if no one trained you, how would you be able to train that there? Not by a long shot. Not. If no one trained me, I would not be able to train him. No one, if your father didn't train you, you can't train your child. Because you don't know what to train them about. And this is where we as fathers are lacking. This is where we're lacking. I know that we've got busy schedules. I 
know that we've got demands. I know that we've got work things that we need to do. But when are we going to take time out to look after the helper and to look after the family? When are we going to take time out to play our role in the life of a family that God intended us to do? When? We're supposed to teach the next generation. But I can tell you, we're not teaching them. Not as men. We leave it up to the woman to teach them. You know how I know? How many men has ever been to the youth and spoken to the young men? How many? How many women has ever been to the youth and spoken to the young girls? How many? When were you there last? You let these kids run on their own and when things go wrong, then you expect them to be accountable for it where you have no input into it. Please tell me I'm wrong. And this is why society is in the mess that it is today. And this is why kids go to school and they can go kill teachers at school. They can go hurt teachers at school because you have allowed them to do that. And if I say you, I'm talking to you as part of a community, not as a father or mother of a child. It's the fact that you, when it comes out in the media, you say, let them fight that battle. You don't say, let us as parents fight the battle on behalf of. We don't take that responsibility anymore. We've let that responsibility over to people who sits in a government who needs to please everyone, even the ungodly people they need to please. And you walk and you say you're a Christian, but yet you can't even do these things to train the next generation. I guarantee you, unless we teach them, tell it to them, and train them, this generation will be the generation that leads to a corrupt future generation. And that generation will lead to an even more corrupt one. At the end of the day, this will become irrelevant. I guarantee you what will happen. So the question that I'm asking you is, are you waiting for other people to make you to stand out and stand up and say, I will fight for that teacher because I know whether that kid is right or wrong, whether the teacher did something to them or not, what they did was wrong. But what do we do? We always choose the sides of this, other side. We always choose to defend the children. I wish we could go back to the old times where children should be seen, not heard. Is that the way they say? You should be seen, not heard. I could not enter into a conversation if there was a whole bunch of grown-ups sitting there and talking. I could not just walk in there and go be part of that conversation. You would be told very quickly, get out and go play with your mates on the other side. Move. This is not for you. Nowadays, if the kids come and say, oh no, let the child sit here. I should be sitting And then we talk about things that those kids' ears should not be hearing, but we allow and tolerate it. So this is what we've come down to. We've come down to a society, as much as we say we respect God, and we've got reverence for Him, and we know what He expects of us, government overrides what you allow your kids to do. And I'm going to tell you what I told the men yesterday. If ever you allow your kids to go out with me, they will fall under my rules. So if they come home and they tell you I did something and Uncle Thomas hit me, go to court if you want to. <laughs> now I'm going to tell you, go to court if you want to. But I'm not going to let your kid do something wrong and I am there to discipline them and let it just roll off like it. I'm sorry. We can rather have a disagreement about it later and we can part our separate ways. But at that moment, I couldn't care. It's not your kid, it's my kid. They're my responsibility. And this is what I appreciated about Tiny. Because we told her, look after the children. And that is what she did. And that's what we always do. If I send my child to your house, it's your house, your rules. But if you know that your rules conflict with my rules, stop my child from doing something, even though you know it's all free to go for you. Stop my child and say, your father will not appreciate of this. I'll tell you what, I went to a church in Gauteng once. A friend of mine was a, was a pastor there. And when we went to some people to go visit them, and their kids went to another church, it's a charismatic church. I, unfortunately, I had to drive them there. I get there, and all I see is blue, pink, and purple lights, and it looks like Club 29 or something, whatever you call this club. 
I just lie to him, you see. I go home and I tell this father who's a pastor, I said, but I'm not sure that your kids should be there. He asked me why. I said, that place, there's something about that place that's not right. I don't even know if it's a church. It's more like a disco or dance or something. You know what he told me? Go back and go get my child. I said, why don't you go? He says, I was expecting you to know what my requirements is for places where my children go. You know it. So when they got there, you should have said, your father will not approve of this. Let's go home. I drove back and I went to get all of them. Do we do that nowadays? We couldn't care less about what happened to the next person's kids. We couldn't care less. So fathers, you've been lagging and slagging and you've been hiding somewhere. Why, I don't know. You know they say that if this country wants to come right, the fathers need to come right. If the head of the house comes right and the woman can see that the men are leading, then they will follow and do what they need to support that man. In the 60s, the woman that marched didn't march because the men didn't want to. They supported the men in their cause. That's why women stood up. But men had to lead. Where are the men today? Where are they? As quiet and as silent as can be. I pray that God will give you the understanding, but the wisdom and the liberty to own up to be a man in your house, a man in your society, a man in the church, so that this church and this society can get back to where it's supposed to be. Where discipline and respect is at the center of the day. I want to do something slightly different today. In closing, I want to ask all the men to come to the front. The fathers. The fathers to come to the front. And I want to ask Pastor, if you can pray for the fathers. After we're done with that, I want all the mothers to come to the front. And then I want to ask Pastor to pray for all the mothers. Thereafter, we will pray for the family in totality. Because believe you me, like we heard yesterday, not every family is going through the same differences or difficulties that other families are. But we all need to pray for each other sometime along the line. He's, this one is very, um, he's studying Kong law. Now it's very technical when it comes to statements and things. So he comes with that story about the law says that I may. <laughs> he comes with those he comes with those conversations and arguments. I hear him out on all the rest of it, but no, that doesn't work. This is the law. The law's name is Thomas. The law is Thomas, and, and Thomas will be faithful to execute his duties as a father. So that the mother and the son and the family can maintain a healthy relationship. Here's my buddy at the back the bank. When Tateho was born, I'm colored. I'm like